Barb Lampson, but I'm not sure exactly where she went. <laughs> Come on in, Barbara. She's running in here. <laughs> we got her coming and I'll tell you what, Barb, the, the snow came earlier than I wanted. I, I had a lot of leaves piled up that I was going to put into my shredder, chopper shredder and, and you know, make them into good, a nice leaf mold mulch. And, and lo and behold, the snow came. I even took a day off, uh, afternoon off last week, and I worked till it was so dark that I couldn't do anymore. <laughs> it, that sounds like you, Karen. I'm, I'm not surprised at all that you did that. But you're probably thankful that you got a, as much done as you did. I did, because on the, the lake house, there was, a, you know, there's a lot of trees out there, and there was a lot of leaves. And so my goal was to get them off the lawn, because they're really thick, because you can get that snow mold, and then just to mow it down to the last sure. shortness of the the, the, the uh, the grass, and so I actually had the mulcher a bag on thing. So I'd I take one sure. one stripe one way, and I have to empty it, and then I take another stripe the other way. And so I made a new compost pile out in the woods for out at the lake house with all my piles of of grass and leaves. Well, <clears throat> I have to say this has been Dave's job, and I haven't done anything with the leaf pickup. It's been all him, and he's been mulching them, he's been shredding them, and he's been bagging them. But even at that, if you're home, if you're retired. It's up to the trees when those leaves are going right. to come down. You can't tell them when. No, exactly. And our neighbors have uh, three or four great big silver maples, and they have a lot of leaves to come down yet. So what we'll have to do is uh, wait that there's maybe a warm-up, and, and we can get the rest of them up. But well, if we can't... Let's we- hope, because Saturday is <coughs> supposed to get up to 40, Barb, so I'm really hoping that's going to be my, my day, because after that, you know, we... We have had late winters as late as December because I remember telling you putting bulbs in in December sure, 7th. Sure. But this year, I don't think we're going to have that. No. Uh, I heard it's going to be colder. I don't know yeah. if we're going to have more snow, but it is going to be colder. So the ground's going to be frozen. Can we do anything still? I mean, if those leaves are going to be there, it's going to be harmful? Or what are you thinking? Well, I think just leave them alone to see if, because I'm sure they're frozen now uh. Uh, uh, with that snow, it, those that came down afterwards. So just wait and see. And, and um, uh, you know, just do what you can do. Uh, which reminds me, yesterday I talked to my friend from northern Minnesota. You know, um, my parents, my grandparents farmed up in the Red River Valley, and that's northwestern Minnesota along the Canadian border there in North Dakota. And they have had so much rain. And up there, uh, my friends, they raise wheat, soybeans, um uh, corn and um, to the west of them they were raise a lot of sugar beets and they just yesterday they just got their soybeans out and they had beautiful looking soybeans it, they just couldn't get in there but they've still got corn standing they their wheat is still standing out in the field now we're talking farms that are like 5,000 acres here oh. so there's a limited time but my friend Penny was telling me that on their farm um, the the thing it's so hard on the soil they have this big equipment that has the tracks on them so you don't dig in as much but not all their equipment has that and they're making ruts in the field and she said in the spring it's going to be a real mess and the the sugar beets are frozen right in the ground so they they will rot basically yeah they will that's exactly right so um 
my heart goes out to farmers, no matter where you are in this country nowadays, because we have had the trade embargo. We've had droughts, uh, droughts and too oh, much rain. And oh, I mean. We have, and we've had fires, and um, it's it's just been a very, very difficult thing. And all along, you see inputs going up. And my friend told me one of the things they're worried about there up in northwestern Minnesota is getting enough propane to oh, dry, wow. to, to keep the dryers going to dry these rains out. So, uh, you know, it's just a difficult time. And we, you know, we don't realize here in Minnesota, our farmers, this is the biggest industry we have. They are big business. They're the backbone. They are. And if they suffer, we will all suffer. My dad always said being a farmer was like gambling. You just never knew what you were going to get. Sometimes you'd have a great year and then you could have several bad in a row. And he said, you know, it was being a gambler with, you know, just taste well throwing something out there and hoping it, it sticks. And so this whole business of the weather, uh, unpredictable, this is this is about global change. And I was watching a special on TV last night um, on PBS, and it was talking about the air pollution in India. You know, India is a country that is just uh, coming into their own. But and it's highly populated. Highly populated and just developing industries in that and they have so much in they have so much pollution they're beginning to to have a class of people that have more money to spend so they can have cars or uh, uh, mopeds or whatever they're using their streets are just packed and they're still burning leaded gas there as a result they were talking about um the American school there for uh, diplomats that are in India and for military, the, that building has been uh, installed with all kinds of uh, uh, air, air purifiers, purifiers. Uh-huh. and and they they took out one of these screens and they just showed these particles that are floating around in the air. I assume they're not good particles. No, they certainly are. So people have to wear uh, uh, the air masks outside too to protect these particles getting into your lungs. But they did a survey of people talking to people on the street about how many are doing things to improve the air in their home. And not everyone, but the majority said that they felt it was easier on the lungs, if on their lungs, if they breathe the same air inside oh. as they're breathing outside, like you're building up some resistance, which is it's just not like a germ. I, no, I mean, no, you can't. No, it's or your muscle. You can't build new muscles. Your lungs. That doesn't happen. And so. One of the things they talked about also was that in some of these big office buildings, they're putting in great big mature plants like palm oh. trees to clean, help clean some of the air. And, and the plants can only do so much. Yes, they can. And when there's such an enormous problem there, um, you know, it's it it's just it saddens you because not only are there pulmonary diseases that you get from this air, but it's you can also suffer heart attacks. Right. So it's it's a whole 
you know, for your whole immune system, it just can't be good. Well, you know, I was out last weekend in the yard doing stuff, trying to, you know, quickly get as Surely. much as, uh, done as I could. And, and somewhere in the neighborhood, somebody must have been burning something. And I don't think it was wood. It smelled like a mix of some, you know, some weird kind of smell. And I could feel that as I was breathing out there, just, you know, in my own yard, it, it felt like my throat was burning and getting sore and my eyes were just getting just sore and, you know, gritty. And I thought, this can't be good for me. And, um, you know, I, I didn't know where it was. And of course, I really couldn't do anything about it. And that's the thing. What can you do? You really can't. And like right. you said, I mean, going inside, I went inside sometimes for the relief. Right. And if people are thinking, well, I should breathe the same air inside as outside because I'll get used to it. Well, that's not a good idea. No, no, yeah. it just doesn't work that way. Uh, and you know, it's, it, it's a global problem. We all have to do what we can do so that we're not polluting. And people say, well, you know, this is such a huge problem. This, these few things that I do don't, won't count. They won't, they're not, but they are. One absolute. little thing adds up really, because you think about even our, our fun drive that we just had, and even just small contributions added up to help us reach the goal. And I think if everybody could do just a little something, it could mean a huge difference. Well, we've seen how public opinion and how people, when they become activists, how we've changed things uh, over uh, the history of our country. We can do great things if we work together. And we can't say, because India is doing all this pollution, it doesn't help if we do do preventive things here. It does help. We have to continue to do that. It's a mindset that we have to do everything we can for uh, our children in the future so that they have fresh air and fresh water. That's right. that's another resource we have to protect. It, it's been a struggle because, you know, the states are trying to maintain some of the the mandates in terms of keeping pollution levels low, but then the federal is, is loosening them. And so it's right. kind of this... I don't know, this discord between the two. And and, I mean, I really hope the states will stand up strong and continue to say that we think this is important. Federal, you may not, but I I just... This is where it's so important for people to vote. Elect those people who support um, clean air, clean water. And we certainly don't want anybody making any deals where they can draw water out of our pristine aquifer and ship that to other states to use. That's I read about that in the paper last last week, and I just couldn't believe that there was a company that was wanting uh, permission to draw out millions and millions of gallons of water and ship it to the southwest. Well, the sad part is a lot of them, I mean, have polluted their own water, so they don't have anything to use. Right. That's that's part of it. And, you know, we have to take a look at uh, food is really important. Agriculture is really important. But we have to take a look at how we're growing it, where we're growing it. It's, it's possible in the future that these dry lands we will not be able to irrigate them or irrigate them the way we do now. And here's the thing that I have thought. This is my dream. When we have flooding in one area, why can't we install, why why can't we somehow uh, reserve that 
water so we can use it for irrigation. If we can transfer oil around from country to country, can't we transfer this when we this rainwater that comes uh, and starts flooding? I'm sure there's a huge infrastructure that has to deal with that, but you know, maybe in the future that's something they may have to consider. Yeah, and I don't think it's so far fetched. So so that's my deal for today. Uh, keep our farmers in, in your prayers and also our planet and that people will make the right decision and want to save our air and our water for future generations. Yeah, very important. And, you know, you and I do our little bit we can with our, our rain barrels. And I mean, I know it, you say, well, that's just a few, well, a few thousand probably gallons every year. But, you know, if it makes a little difference, it all adds up. So. Well, and, and the other thing is, choices that you make in the market do you need to have all this plastic stuff i mean buy something that's going to last that would be my my thought for yeah you something that you can reuse that's very important <coughs> you okay there barb the air's yes. not clear in this studio uh, maybe just talking about um, <laughs> kidding, polluted out. air yes. yes um i wanted to talk about uh, two plants that i uh, my perennial flowers I add and I decide, you know, maybe what I need is some darker color, you know, some black okay. because uh, to accent, or maybe I need a different texture, or maybe something with a bigger that's higher. And so now and you said darker because I've been trying to actually in my shade put lighter. Mm -hmm. do, and do you already have enough of that? Or yeah, I do. I do. I have enough greens and lime greens. Okay, because that's the one thing I like. <laughs> I love the Sun King Aurelia. It's a beautiful shrub that has more chartreuse, the light, uh, and it really stands out in my darker shade that I have of other greens. So, uh, but you've already got that. So. Yes. Okay. So, um, in 2018, in the summer, I put in a uh, hillside black beauty black snake root. Otherwise and known as Simafu. I've got one of those. Actually, I've got two of those. And I wanted that color. And uh, I wanted to put it in the area that was slightly shaded. A and it. I thought, is this going to, how is this going to go? It's a plant that grows to, uh, it can grow to four feet tall. With, four with its flower, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's hardy. It will survive to minus 30 below. So this is a zone four. Uh, it's fragrant. It gets a flower on it in the fall. It's, uh, it's just, it just uh, makes um, an accent. It, well, if you've got a lot of greens, it makes an accent. Or if you're using a lot of annuals, when they start in the fall, you know how annuals get straggly and right. that you take those out. Then you, you've got this plant by itself. It's really quite attractive. So I, for a dark plant, I mean, something... It, uh, the Japanese beetles don't bother it. No, nope. uh, it it just seems to be it. Uh, it's not invasive. It's just a really good plant. I'm really liking that. And there are other snake roots that aren't the blacks, so you can get them in different, the, more of the yeah, greens. But yeah. I have that black one too. I think mine is called black negligee. That's sure, the variety. sure. But yeah, and it's just beautiful, dark, um, almost a deep, deep purplish, dark purple, it, and then it gets this big stock up and then on a white flower mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. kind of a and when that uh, it's planted so that when um uh, the sun is is going down 
it's going to the west. It's, it hits that, and it's just the color, and the leaf then looks more maroon. Yes. It's just really, really attractive. Then the other plant that I chose in 2018 was an astilbe, and it's chocolate shogun. And With the darker foliage? Really dark. And I have, uh, I had one of the earlier ones, which uh, I forget the name of that right now, but it, it too was a plant that I really liked. But this leaf is a little different. It's a little finer, um, and it's it's it grows much slower, uh, and it doesn't raise itself up above the soil. And so it came through last winter, just really, really fine, unlike some of the astilbes, which we have a problem with in the wintertime, because they they get this addition on the top, which is where the new growth is coming, and that isn't hardy. That gets froze, and then it freezes clear to the bottom. I've had a couple so, of those, yeah. Yeah, right. So this one, Chocolate Shogun, it's nice. It's... it's uh, mound-shaped. It also flowers. The flower really is rather insignificant. What's more important is the color and the foliage and the size. This is a a smaller plant. This is something you'd want to put close up to the uh, edge of your perennial bed so that you could see it and watch it. Really nice. You can also um, cut uh, leaves off from that or branches off from that and put them in when you do flower arranging because oh, sure. you need that and it's fine it doesn't look uh, clunky or heavy it's very airy looking delicate yeah yes. it, it delicate is a better word there yes and um, that uh, snake root plant that's also one where you can borrow some leaves off from that and and supplement when you're doing flower arranging and you know um, I think we should do more flower arranging. And I was encouraged because when I go to Benches, which is the Blue Earth Nicollet County uh, Humane, Humane Society, Society. Mm-hmm. I, um, I go there and I say, okay, I'm going to spend $20 because this is just a donation. I don't need anything, so I have to find something to buy. And <laughs> I buy vases there. Oh, sure. They're very, yeah, very inexpensive. Idea. And I like to buy small ones because a lot of times you've got something that would serve just as a specimen and, and with a leaf behind it, and you can give that to someone. That's really nice. Or sometimes if you have something that's branchy, like this snake root, on, take those off. Then you need something that will support that, a heavier vase and a taller one. And there is a, um, uh, a a principle involved here with a with a flower. If you're wondering what size vase for what size flower, so if you take a vase that's ten inches high, you could put a plant in there that is either one and one half times taller than that, or two times taller than that. So that's kind of the ratio that that, you that is, and then it will look balanced, and it won't look like it's. It's uh, squatty on the bottom or really tall on the top. I know there are times when you just have to use what you've got. Uh, yes. One time at a, I think it was a thrift thrift store, they had these vases. They were three feet tall and very wow. thin. And I'm, you know what I used them for? No. I have that King Tut grass. And <gasps> oh, yes. I mean, that grows six to seven feet tall. So yes. I even think that was a little short, but it was three feet tall right. and heavy. So that's what I used when I brought one of my 
King yes. Tut grasses for exhibit at the at the county fair, right. and it was just really cool. And I thought, why would anybody have a? Uh, I know why they would have a vase like that. So sure, you know, sure. that is really a dramatic. It was kind dramatic. Of a, yes, yes, and and that will carry itself on its own. And having that to be really slim, that is a, just a really really great look. I think I had a, just got it for a couple bucks. That's the thing. If you yes. look, a lot of people they get a vase, you know, for flowers, and like, what do I do with this? So those thrift stores are like you mentioned the, the garage, the garage and, you know, sale. What a good thing! What, and you know what? By after that sale, and I took flowers here, I took flowers there, <laughs> like be, Harvey does. Yes, and you'd be surprised how many of those I had used, and and I keep them out in my greenhouse. I don't have room for them any place now, so I keep those out there. And uh, every once in a while, I bring in a batch. I wash them in my dishwasher, and they're all set to go. So an, another plant that's really good if you've got a really tall vase and you want to do something dramatic, like what Karen's talking about, is corkscrew willow. Oh, yes. I I have uh, a single specimen tree with that, but I have branches that come off on the side horizontally, and you just uh, take one of those down, and, and you've got a beautiful thing. They also are very easy to root. As a matter of fact, you put them in water for any length of time. And you got a new one. Yeah, and that's how I got mine originally. I brought uh, a small branch very small here. Small is easier to root. Sure. Uh, from uh, the garden up at Good Council, we have them in. The, we had one in the children's garden. It rooted, and uh, after it rooted, I planted it out, and the rabbits ate it off the first winter. So it was just a little stubble uh-huh. underneath the snow left, and I thought, well, that's gone. Nope, it just kept growing. The next winter, they did the same thing, and the third winter. I really uh, put uh, uh, a little fence around it so the rabbits couldn't get at it. And you know, I think the rabbits did me a favor because that developed a really good root. Sure, so it was sturdy to... Right. And when it started going straighter, I did uh, uh, fasten that to uh, oh, just a post so that it would grow straight. But you know what? That... That tree, it's a nice shaped tree now. It's very, very nicely shaped. Whereas the one up at Good Council, uh, they, they, it was, it was bad. They cut it back, and you know what? The stump all around the stump, suckers. New, yep, suckers oh, and new growth good, came yeah. up from that. That isn't, but there, if, since we have, there's plenty of space, it looks there. It looks good. It looks like a. A big shrub now. You mentioned going out and getting something, you know, like a, like you said, the the corkscrew mm-hmm. uh, branch well. to make a new one. Well, I had little uh, pine or spruce growing in between the cracks in my patio. You know, little like a little blue. Yeah. One was my little blue spruce, and then there was a little yew that was growing up there, and they probably got to be about oh, they're maybe ten inches high. So they're just little baby trees. Mm-hmm. So I dug those out and I started bonsai. Or oh. some called bonsai, yeah. and you know, really shallow dishes, and that's been at least two and a half months ago, and they are still alive. Right. And I, you know, you, I bought special soil, so they're the the, the dishes. Uh, the the dishes I put them in are special for bonsai. They're about yes. three to four inches deep, so not very deep. And then I bought the special right. bonsai soil. And the, Grant is the one who wanted to do this. And I thought, well, you know, they're going to die, you know, sure. like everything else. So I stuck them in. They're in the <coughs> sun porch, so they get cold because, of course, yes. they need cold because they are their trees uh, from yep. outside. Yep. So they are still doing well. I mean, I'm I'm going to wait till they get s- subsequent or s- substantive. 
roots before I do any trimming. Of course, because bonsai, you're always pruning, but yes. they need to establish themselves. So I'm just so excited the fact that I've got one um, in a dish that's like a, a, a blue spruce, the little bird's nest spruce is actually what mm -hmm. it is that started from a, must be a seed, I suppose. And then the other is a Japanese you that started from seed and just was growing in my yard and that one's still going so i'm really excited to see if we can actually do the bonsai because grant wants to do that and i thought well okay i'll buy this special bowl it was like 12 bucks or 14 or something and so then i right yeah you know if you um go to where they have collections of bonsai you will see um lots of of uh, junipers uh and other conifers. Yes. And and the main thing is now, when they're at this young stage, you have to keep watering them because they still are losing their moisture all the time. Oh, that's a good point because I haven't been, you know, I've left them in the porch and kind of ignored no, them a little don't, bit. No, don't do that. Okay. Keep, keep watering them because they have transpiration. They're, they're, they're losing their moisture all the time. Okay. In, especially in the cold now. Oh. So do that. Okay. And, uh, and then before you take them out of there, just gently lift them out using a fork or something and take a look at that root and see if there's enough root there to sustain it in a different container. I don't think I would rush them, though. I think I would leave them as long as possible. But, well, they're in they're in the containers I want them in because are they, they're, are they're they, special okay. pottery that I got at a, a local uh, nursery. So they're, they're actually with the little uh, tray underneath to capture the water, but they're actually sure. designed as special yep. bonsai yep. Uh, pot pottery so it's not I didn't start them just in anything so I'm really hoping that they'll kind of get their start there and one of them's already because it was under um, its mother tree which was another you and right. so I dug it out so it's already got like a nice bend so you know how sometimes they want them so yes. they look like yeah. they're yeah. windswept so this one's already got a nice windswept That's look great. yeah That's so so Grant is pretty excited about it and I said we can't do anything like do the wire thing which I'm gonna watch um, I'll probably watch some YouTube things to find out. Sure. And also, we're part of, I know, the, the Hosta Society, and we know there's people in there that do their Absolutely. own, too. Absolutely. So ask work. other people. That's the thing about belonging to a group is they can other people can always offer you advice. Yes. And you know what? I, I took a class on bonsai, and I had one, and I just found that I wasn't home enough in the summer, oh, and and it and it dried out. But I have the dish, and so now what I have in it is succulents. Oh, I, and I'm easy. starting the leaves, nice. just the leaves. And see, that's such a small plant. And if you're going to get moisture there, so you can develop the root, you have to have a very very shallow dish. Yes. Otherwise, the moisture just drives, uh, just drains right through it, and the, you won't develop a root on it. How so, much sun do succulents need? I noticed at our church. Somebody has a cute little succulent bowl, but it's kind of in a dark place and it's not doing very well. well I think they need some sun. They they as much sun as you can get. Yeah, them. that's why it's not doing. It's well, not sure. quite as important when they're developing the roots because mm -hmm. they need the humidity too. So, but once they get their roots, yeah, you better you better get them in full sun. They'll do a lot better for you. Sometimes things survive, but they don't really thrive. Right. Yeah. So remember that. Well, Barb, you know, there's so so now we're kind of starts turning to the inside because yes. the outside's kind of done now so we'll uh thanks for the the tips and we'll be back again next week with you all right thanks karen all right bye-bye